All right, all you beautiful listeners out there, it's Jason Kupsik, and this is the Ectoplasm Show. And of course, Josh is here, and every now and then he lets me intro the show. How's it going, Josh? Doing well, pal. What do you got going on today? Me? A lot of editing. Yeah, since the last time we talked. Just editing. That's it. Editing the, nope. the new film. That's it. That's good. No, it's not. No? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have somebody on the line here that uh, also is working on the film. Are you working on the film, Brandon? Uh, no, not in that particular. F- well, actually, you know what? Um, I'm depending on which one. <laughs> I've got. I have a couple projects going on right now. Cool. Yeah. So think- we have uh, Brandon Callahan. He's an author, paranormal investigator from Kansas City. And he wrote The House Where Evil Lurks and The Agony That Remains. Now, which one was your first book? Uh, the House Where Evil Lurks. That's, uh, that came out in September of 14. And is The Agony That Remains out yet? It is not, actually. It's coming out um, worldwide release August 8th. So here, coming up pretty quickly, actually. So... Is I have honestly I haven't had time to read your books yet. I want to. Um, I'm very excited to have you at the conference this year. But oh, is yeah. the house where evil lurks is that a story about you uh, growing up, or is that uh, something you went through? Uh, actually, it was it was a case that my team and I worked uh, several years back, um, based on a, a private residence case that we had worked. And um, it had a lot of kind of unique, different aspects to it that we really hadn't um, encountered before. And it turned out kind of providing a lot of learning lessons. And because I I was still fairly new in the field at the time, um, and we kind of and into a situation that you know, frankly, we were a little bit over our heads at that point. But uh, we learned a lot, and um, turned out to be a really really cool story yeah that's cool so uh how did your um how did you get into the paranormal most people have something that happened to them yeah yeah well you know i i mean like a lot of people i i grew up just interested in you know anything involving vampires and witches and ghosts and things like that so you know kind of typical stuff uh, as i was growing up and then um really as i was getting older I was in the Air Force, and when I was overseas, kind of just had a few different experiences over there, and um, and it, it kind of you know made me start asking a little bit more, you know what what actually may be out there. So it kind of just grew from there. Really, I I decided to kind of just go out and look for myself. You know, um, you read a lot of books and you study all the different uh, subject matter and everything else, and at some point in time, you kind of just decide what you want to do. And I, I wanted to get out there and see what I could actually see from my own eyes, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so what's the name of your team? You know, to be honest with you, at this point, we don't really function with a specific team name, really, because um, at the time where, where where the house where evil lurks was written, we were functioning um, under the Everyday Paranormal Network. Oh, I've heard of, I've heard of that team. Yeah, absolutely. They were, well, we were the Missouri affiliate. Um, and so we were Everyday Paranormal Missouri. And really, as we kind of developed 
you know, different styles and, and kind of things that we've done over the years and different goals that we've set up as a group. You know, a few of the people that we had on our team at the time, they've moved away. Um, but um, but really, to be honest, we kind of just we kind of just are who we are. Like like we don't really have you know we didn't really come up with like a clever acronym or anything like that. But yeah. um, you know we we kind of we know the type of work we want to do, and I think you know just kind of doing what we've done. I, I think we've got our name out there a little bit, and you know really a lot of time I think you guys can probably confirm you know a lot of the really kind of crazy stuff like the really cool cases that that turn into something special a lot of it really kind of finds you more than the other way around you know oh absolutely josh knows a little bit about that yeah i was gonna say that's a very good point buddy (laughs) very good point yeah i mean i seriously like the stories that these two books are based on um i had to do very little to nothing you know i didn't need to advertise or anything like that and it kind of just fell in my lap and and we were ready to ready and willing to do the work and i think you know it kind of just ends up turning into its own little beast um so yeah i mean i i don't really spend a whole lot of time with like you know a whole lot of the online you know here's our team name and everything else we we really just kind of focus on I, i guess a little bit more uh privatized sort of things you know i that's that's kind of where we found our niche a little bit yeah and yeah honestly that's kind of where i've gone with mine i had the whole i still have the team uh name and Mm -hmm. website and i run all that stuff but i don't do much under that team name anymore Mm -hmm. I, i actually i wanted to change it but i might as well just leave it the way it is i've had it for like 12 years (laughs) Um, But really now I'm what actually a friend of the show, his name's Rick Rose, calls himself a paranormal free agent. And that's kind of what I do now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, really, that's probably a pretty good way to put it. I mean, you know, I've got different methods of doing the research that I do. And a lot of times it leads me right down the path I think I need to be on. And and so, yeah, I I just don't. I, I don't spend a lot of time with you know, worrying about team names and things like that. I mean, I know the people that I work with and I love working with good people. I've, you know, within that everyday paranormal network, I met some amazing people and great investigators that I still work with on occasion. Um, but really the people that I work mostly with are people that, you know, I grew up with and people that I really truly trust and, and, and have a really good chemistry with. I like meeting new people and I like working with new people, but you know, to be honest, it, it, as far as like, you know, the I guess the advertising side of it, I d- just don't really put a lot of time and effort into it. I, I really put all my energy into my research and everything else. I well, think that's the, smart. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut. <laughs> you no, off, you're fine. Chris. I was just going to say I think that's that's smart, especially too. Um, you investigating with people that you that you know and have known for a while, you trust them. Mm. Um, it's almost like in. I don't know. You guys kind of fall into that uh, that nice little wheelhouse where you are able to already know what the other person's going to be doing. You know what I mean? You're very comfortable yeah, no with doubt. each other. Well, no and your word of mouth nowadays is the best the best possible thing to get like home cases or anything like that mm-hmm. because there's so many teams out there and they're all paying to go to the same places. Right. And they all have the same well 
you know, I have a website that's basically the same as their website, and yeah, the only way you stand out is your reputation. Sure. So you don't really need all that to to yeah. get a good well, case. No, I think you make a good point. I, I, I think you both do. And, you know, I, I love meeting new people. And, I mean, I certainly know you guys' name from, you know, all over the place. And that's really cool. I, I, like, to, I like to connect with new people. Um, but like you said, Josh, I, I think that was you, Josh. Um, you know, when it comes to, like, you know, paying to go see the Axe Murder House and paying to go do this and that and, you know, kind of, dumping a bunch of money into a bunch of conferences and everything else the conferences are fun and it's cool sure but but really i mean everything comes out of my pocket you know and so i've i kind of developed it from day one to where i was like man i'm i gotta develop my equipment and i gotta you know be able to to kind of take care of everything from the inside out and really i i like you said i i I really just kind of didn't spend a whole lot of time on all the other stuff i just we kind of just had a goal in mind, and we started developing our theories and, and doing our work, and, and I think it's really taken us down the path exactly the way I had envisioned it. Well, that's perfect then. Like, And honestly, yeah. like, how many, uh, how many cases would you say that you guys do in any given year? Oh, man. Well, um, I would say case-wise, uh, case-wise, case I have kind of gotten to the point now where i'm only working one maybe two true cases at any given time sure now how many how many investigations that equals really is just going to be more dependent on who's available and when i mean i don't know if you guys you know have a bunch of kids and anything else but i do (laughs) yeah so it's like oh yeah (laughs) yeah between the full-time job and you know the the kids we've got a you know a little baby we got a nine month old and oh wow you know all the way up to teenagers and so you know it's trying to find the time and really if i if i kind of go if i dive in you know balls deep on a case i i want to give it my all and i want to give those people that are involved my full you know effort and, and attention and so you know but i mean i'll go investigate i i'll, I'll go and investigate you know, the odd fellows place or, you know, I'll go out and about and, and we'll just go for, you know, shits and grins to just go check out a new place or something. But really I, I try not to overwork as far as caseload. I mean, I, I think it's real important to really focus on the task at hand. And so at any given time, you're not going to see me doing probably more than two things at any given time that are really of much substance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, with experience the ones that stick around are the ones that are like that they realize that they don't have to go to 100 places in a year to be legitimate the whole thought at least i remember being this way and i know new groups come around and i talk to them about this you you want to seem legitimate to not only the field the people out there and it's all about it seems to be all about where you've been and it should be more about how you feel about what you're doing and because then the passion's there yeah absolutely i I couldn't agree with you more and and really frankly you know not to i mean i don't know really how it comes across but i mean to be honest with you for the most part i could give a damn what you know the next team over thinks of me um it's going to be more the people that i work with you know the people that i work for Right. And, you know, th- those that I think take the time to get to know me and, and you know, um, 
I, I think, you know, I think I'm a good person and, and I like to believe that I've always been open minded and I like to share information, you know, in, in the paranormal field, there's so much just hoarding of information and, yeah. and all this, you know, all this drama and everything else. I don't have time for it. I, I just don't. And so I, I'm more than happy to help anybody out at any given time with whatever I can do. But yeah, I just don't go out, you know, spend a lot of time and effort and money to, you know, try to look good to see how many, how many likes I can get on my page and everything else. I, you know, it, it's cool and all. And I, I do appreciate anybody that pays attention to my, my work. Um, you know, don't, don't get me wrong because it's so appreciated. Um, it's, it's great to hear positive feedback and, and even, even the criticism, you know, I'm good with that. Uh, it's just a situation where it's like, I know where my focus lies and it's not to impress anybody outside of, you know, the really relevant people, especially the people I'm working with on a case. Heck yeah. Yeah. Cause it's all about the client in all reality. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. So let's get into your first book and why don't you tell us the yeah. basis of the book? Um, and how it came about that you decided to write a book about it. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, and oddly enough, with the first book, um, it came down, it's it, kind of an odd situation because, you know, I've always wanted to be a writer. Uh, it's always been something I've just had a natural kind of, I guess, I don't know, talent for or whatever it might be. Something I've always just been able to do. You know, it's like some people are good at math, some people are good at, you know, another subject. I could always just write about something. It doesn't matter what it was. So anyway, I, I always knew that I wanted to write. And um, so, you know, with the paranormal field, I mean, you can't you can't have a better hobby as far as writing goes and then go out into the field and do legitimate work in the paranormal field. I mean, it's like peas in a pod, you know, yeah. it, it just kind of goes together. But to be honest with you, when the house where evil lurks was coming together, I, I you know, hand to God, I had no idea I was even attempting to write a book. I do a lot of real extensive notes after every investigation that we conduct. And um, one of my teammates actually got his hands on some of the notes I had written uh, just following one of our investigations at that particular house. And he's just like, dude, you gotta, I mean, you gotta run with this. He's like, this is, this is pretty fantastic. And you know, the story is really cool. And so I was like, well, you know, whatever. And before I knew it, I had a whole bunch of pages and put together and um, I don't know if you all know Stephen Lachance, but he's written a couple books and he kind of saw a little bit of my writing and he, he actually recommended I send it on in. And so I did and they picked it right up. Um, you know, I, I, there were some hard lessons to learn through the process of, of getting published for the first time. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, you, you put your name on something and you kind of deal with it. But uh, anyway, the story itself at the time, like I said, we we're everyday paranormal Missouri, and um, we had actually been contacted uh, by the Louisiana affiliate. I was good friends with them down there, and they had just happened to be contacted by someone in Missouri, so they kind of put us in touch. Anyway, the gentleman that lived in the house at the time, it had been a family house for quite a while, but he was living there on his own, and he's actually deaf. And so, um, as it turned out, the family had been hearing noises and experiencing all kinds of different things for year, things and for years and years. And um, as it turned out, it, it, when I don't know if whatever was there, just determined that 
Shane couldn't hear him. Um, so it had to escalate matters, but you know, everything escalated and it ended up assaulting him. It attacked him, uh, to the point where he ended up sustaining a concussion and ended up hospitalized. And, um, that's when they started reaching out in different areas for some help. And, uh, they, they sent him in our direction. And, uh, so, you know, I kind of heard him out and it was his cousin kind of helped him communicate with us. And, uh, it took place just outside of Jeff city, Missouri, small little town down that way. And, um, from the minute we walked in the house, it was one of those places. I'm sure you guys have felt it. Oh, something's very different. And, um, and sure enough, I mean, that whatever was in there, it, it didn't want to or need to hide. It, it was, you know, if, if you wanted to walk in there and play some games, it was more than willing to participate. Screw that. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, well, you know, we so we went down there. We kind of did our initial walkthrough and everything else. And a lot of the stories that we were given, you know, as we do, we just kind of walk through, listen to them, tell the story and, um, you know, whatever the claims might be. And at, there was a lot of history to the house. Originally, it was built and maintained by a guy. Um, there's a lot of mystery surrounding. Uh, he was a um, he was running a mortuary. You know, it was the funeral home, and um, there was a lot of rumors that he kind of took liberties with the clientele and everything wow. else. Wow. Um, and actually, his wife had kind of mysteriously disappeared at one point and there wasn't a whole lot documented about it it was really weird we tried to do all kinds of research into it and no one ever found out what happened to her yeah um and you know real quickly when we started working the case we start getting a lot of female evps and things like that um and so we kind of had this working theory that you know he may have just taken care of her on his own and no one ever was the wiser but um, the house sat abandoned for quite a few years in the 80s where a lot of people kind of did some bad things. There was a lot of graffiti on the basement walls, a lot of satanic markings and things like that. And I think over the course of time, something was eventually just kind of conjured in, you know, not to mention the fact that you've got some pretty bad shit that had happened way back in the day. Right. Compounded with whatever now people were you know, calling in at the same time. And it, it turned into just this cesspool of negativity. Um, and, uh, and really it kind of took on a life of its own pretty much right from jump street. Um, but it, it, it was, uh, a learning experience, you know, I mean, it was one of those situations where we all, we can all talk about the good, the bad and the ugly. And everybody says they know what kind of repercussions can come out of doing this type of work. But until you're face to face with it, I don't think you really know, you know, I mean, when you're talking about pure evil, uh, you're talking about something that is powerful beyond words and, and knows you inside and out. It knows your fears. It knows your nightmares and it can manipulate that. And if you let it, you know, eventually you can, you can flat out lose your mind. I think that's happened before. I mean, sure people that get too deep into this stuff man and they don't protect themselves it can turn tragic real fast no, i would totally agree there are a lot of people <laughs> out there though that would i don't know they claim that they've they've encountered the dark or whatever and at the same time yeah. you're just like but have you really like right well you'll know if you do exactly and that's when you hit that cross 
You know, it's like, because I mean, I, I literally, man, you know, once the shit hit the fan, um, you know, and we can kind of talk, you know, as the story progressed, however you want. But, you know, ultimately, I ended up paying a pretty severe price. I mean, I got followed home. I didn't follow my own procedure yeah. on this one particular night. And I got followed home and assaulted um, sexually and physically. And, um, and you know, it's it's a tough story to tell. But sure. at the same time, you know, part of part of having this book published was my ability to be able to tell everybody, hey, if you're not careful, this is what can happen. I'll be the first one to tell you that I overstepped. You know, I I was the dumbass. Like I, you know, I was arrogant. I was cocky. I I had no idea what I was dealing with until I dealt with it and I ended up basically crippled for two weeks I mean I I couldn't get out of bed I didn't want to live I didn't want to talk to anybody Um, it it damn near ended me and I had to start making some decisions and you know in the end I think it brought me a little bit closer to my personal faith and I think it brought me um, you know I, I guess it kind of faced or forced me to to changed my ways and and i think i matured a lot and i think i developed a lot as an investigator and i think that's helped me ever since and so you know i do believe some good came out of it but it was you know you can't really put into words fear like that you know i mean that's that's on a whole nother level that people just don't get until they actually experience it yeah yeah i've never came across anything in the field that i would say was evil i think Anything that I have came across, if their spirits have passed on people or whatever they are, they have the personality they had in life. So I've had like things that were mean or grouchy or or whatever, but I don't think I've ever came across anything evil. That being said, Mm -hmm. I did have something come into my house one night that I believe was just passing by and decided to fuck with me because it saw that. I knew about you know whatever it saw, um, and I've always I've always done what I think I need to do to protect myself. But I don't know if anybody really knows exactly how to protect themselves because nobody really knows exactly what they're dealing with. You know what, man? That's I, I'm so glad to hear you say that because let, let's all be honest. Yeah. If we had if we had precise and absolute answers, we don't do this, right? Right. I mean, look, and that's why I get so sick of hearing the word expert. I get so <laughs> sick of hearing how, you know, this person's got 30 years in the field. Well, you know, I mean, any and I'm not saying that that time doesn't, you know, putting in years and everything else that it doesn't mean anything. But what I'm saying is I can be a, I can be an absolute dumbass and I can go and do something for 30 years. That doesn't make me an expert on doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Exactly. You know, you have to develop theories and you have to do real work. And I think whether you've been in the field for two years or 20, you know, I I think it matters, but, but like you said, man, I mean, in the end we have that person with 30 years experience, let's all be honest. They have just as many rock solid answers as I do having 10 years in. Bingo. I mean, and that's why, you know, again, I, I hesitate to really dive completely into to subscribing to you know one person saying well here's how it's you're supposed to do it here's what you're supposed to do and if you're not doing it that way you're wrong i think that's arrogant and i think it's ridiculous 
And so I do whatever it is that I can do. You know, I, I do what works for me. I, I do the best that I can to try to protect the people I work with and protect myself and then protect my family when I get home, you know? Right. Yeah, I think a lot yeah, of that's I, a big um, ego thing there. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's just like a big ego thing with those people that, uh, you know, it's basically their way or the highway. There's only one true way absolutely. to investigate or whatever, which is complete horse shit, you know? I mean, it's... Absolutely. It's ridiculous well, and, and small and the way that I, the way that I protect myself may be one million percent different than the way you guys protect yourselves, if you protect yourselves at all. Maybe sure. you don't even believe that you have to do that, and maybe to this point you haven't had any problems. And you know what? To each their own. And, and I right. think, And I think to each their own is something that really needs to be said a little more often. And I think we need to be more accepting of the fact that we are all a little bit different in our own ways. It doesn't make us right, and it doesn't make us wrong. Sure. And it certainly doesn't make one person better than the other, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We we preach, and I, well, I know that I preach just pretty much the same way. That there's, like you said, there's no experts in this field. Nobody that knows the truth of anything in the paranormal world has any way to prove it to anybody else. So they may be right, exactly. but they, we don't know. I don't know. Exactly. My my whole view on the paranormal has morphed since I started now, and it pisses Josh off sometimes, <laughs> uh, jokingly that. He'll ask my opinion on something, oh, and yeah. I say, "Well, it's possible because I have like now I'm in the point in my life where I view as everything is possible. There's some things that are more probable than other things, but if I go yeah. to a place and I have some activity, I'll tell that client it could be your passed on family member. Sure, it, it could be an alien pretending to be that passed on family member. I try to be okay. as open with that as possible because nobody really knows." And I'm glad to hear that you're that way too. Well, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it, that that's the thing. And I I will the, one of the first discussions I have with any clients that I work with is, hey, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to give you some answers. And you know, I'm willing to do. I'm willing to put in the time and do whatever I need to do. But in the end, this is not. There are no guarantees. This is not an exact science. I mean, and I don't care. You know what? If you don't like the way I do things, find someone else that can come in and do it. Because exactly. that, like you said earlier, there's dozens of teams that will just come running and may have all the answers. But I'm just going to be the guy that's actually going to stand right in front of you and say, I'm going to tell you right up front, I don't have all the answers. I, I will do the best I can and use every resource I can find to help. Yeah. Um, but but in the end, I, I will not stand there and try to spin this to you saying, hell yeah, just give me a couple hours and we'll get this thing fixed. I mean, I, I just don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. So to get uh, back on your, your first book, is there a, a conclusion yeah. in the book? Is it, did you conclude that part in your life? You know, in, in the end, um, the house the house actually still stands abandoned. Um, he ha He had to leave. And... Um, things escalated to the point where he sh he just couldn't live there, and and really, it, it's one of those places that I don't think anybody should live. Is my understanding that there's been a few people that have rented the house out, and nobody stayed any longer than a few months um, over the last few years. Um, <clears throat> personally, uh, after that that event, when I got followed home, I actually never got a chance to go back to that house. Um, and I don't know, I, well, I do think in a way it was, 
whether it's, you know, something looking out for me saying, hey, enough's enough or, you know, whatever the case might be. I've been asked a million times if I would go back if I had the opportunity. Um, The dumbass side of me says, yeah, let's go ahead and go. (laughs) And then, you know, the guy that learned a very hard and and true lesson says, uh, set that place on fire. Let's all be done with it. Yeah. So Josh was the guy that went back to the place that he wrote about the evil thing. I did. There. I, okay. It's it's very weird. Like Brandon, honestly, I cannot. That, well, you know that's not true. You did go back recently. No, I, I did. No, but it's it's very interesting to me because Brandon, you and I have very very similar stories here, like very very uh-huh. similar. And I cannot wait to to meet you face to face in Kansas City, hang out with you, pick your brain a little bit. And tell you my story. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And you can see the similarities oh, yeah. here between the two. It's almost staggering. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was well. That's what we did, though. We yeah, made well, a documentary did, film about so, it. Well, and I, I know Josh. I, I know you work in film, and that's something you know. And my ultimate goal from day one has always been, you know, I, I I've got a couple things working that I think are going to end up, you know. In, in the public eye this fall, which, which is fine, but it's not anything long-term commitment-wise. Right. But I've always told the guys that I'm closest to that the way to do this is if you can get the talent and you can get the equipment and you can do it right, yeah. documentary filming is the way to go because it's your story. You can tell it, you can film it, you can edit it, you can do the story justice the way the way you've experienced it from day one and i and i i applaud you josh because that's that's a tough thing to do i've been trying to i've been trying to knock this out for years now and it's 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 a bitch i mean that is a that is a tough thankless job and you know i i'll give you a standing o because (laughs) most people they'll call quits it's a tough thing to do um and eventually that is something I want to do. I want to work in documentaries and I want to keep writing books yep. and absolutely. I mean, I'm looking forward to kind of sitting down with everybody um, at the conference. I think it's going to be a really cool time and, and certainly glad to get to know you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be a blast. Josh is a little worried about the next film we're going to be working on together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he's worried about getting probed, but that's understandable. <laughs> You put well. me in some very yeah, odd that's situations. A, that's a legit worry. Yeah. <laughs> so let's. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your your next book coming out. Yeah, yeah. The next book, um, actually, uh, next week, actually, we're we're going down. Uh, it's me and one of my one of my teammates. We're actually heading down there, um, and we are doing some filming next week for. Uh, what I think is going to—I I don't have all the details to really provide yet—but this fall there's going to be a new show um, that's going to be kind of diving into different aspects of unexplained, you know, whether it's nice. um, conspiracy theories and things like that. But they, I, I think they wanted the the writer's perspective and the work that we do in the field when it comes to doing this sort of research. This is the perfect location because, man. Let me tell you, like, first of all, I found this place. It, it fell in my lap. I do a lot of ley line research, and that's what kind of took me down to this particular geographic location uh, in northeast Oklahoma. It's in a town called Tahlequah. 
and Tahlequah is actually where the Trail of Tears ended. Sure. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Trail of Tears, but it's the most horrific, ridiculous thing that the American government has ever perpetrated yeah. in the history of ever. Yeah. Um, it's disgraceful, disgusting, and it, and it about broke my heart. So anyway, we've been working on this private land that a couple brothers that are Cherokee um, have owned over generations and generations since the Trail of Tears took them there. And, um, man, my God, the stories, just the walkthrough with these guys between, I mean, we, we, we seriously, we start talking about, well, they, the first word out of one of their mouths, that's the house the demon lives in. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then from there, they start telling you about UFO sightings, constant UFO sightings. Uh, they start describing Bigfoot, but they don't know they're describing Bigfoot. Wow. But that's exactly what they're describing. And then they start telling you about the little people, which would basically be like leprechauns in Ireland. But sure. in Cherokee, they're little people and they're nasty. Um, you start hearing about ghosts and witches and witchcraft and bad medicine and good medicine and everything in between. And I, I swear to God, I thought my head was going to explode just 20 <laughs> minutes into the discussion. Um, <clears throat> we've been going down there off and on now. Well, mostly on but with some breaks here and there just because life happens but for it's been over five years wow. so this next book um the agony that remains it's actually been five years plus in the making um as a matter of fact i just sent in my final edits today it's actually going to print friday so um i'm pretty stoked it, the the story's pretty remarkable and it, the the weirdest thing about that place that kind of blew my mind was you know, I think we all know when when the client's telling you their side of the story, you want to keep an open mind. You're not there to judge them or anything else. But but man, when they start just beating you over the head from every direction, and I mean, it's like they opened up a book about the paranormal and they're going page by page. Oh yeah, we've got this, we've got that, we've got this, and you're like, whoa, you know, hold on a second, like let let's all just take a step back. But but I mean, when when shit starts happening and it happens over and over and over and almost all of their stories are completely justified like I, Jason I think it was you that said it I, I rarely use the word impossible anymore because to be honest with you it, it has no place in my vocabulary yeah. um, it, some of the stuff that we've experienced and seen down there it is absolutely mind bending I mean it, it's incredible wow I can't wait I know, right? Read it. I... Like, I'm fucking stoked now. I'm like, come on. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, and, and it was so funny because, um, I, I, you know, I don't think of myself as much of a, a Bigfooter. Again, I don't know if that's what you'd call it, but um, I, I, I've never been super into the going out in the woods, banging on trees and hollering at the top of my lungs, trying to get a response. I've always... I guess kind of differed in opinion there um, as to what a Sasquatch may or may not be, whether it exists or not. And, you know, I believe it to be more of a potential of kind of an interdimensional thing where now you see me, now you don't, yep. you know? Um, yeah. I think if, um, if Bigfoot or Sasquatch is in a populate, not necessarily populated area, but somewhere outside of like the, northern reaches of canada or siberia mm -hmm. that they would have to be able to hide themselves in a metaphysical way or an alien way 
honestly, because yeah. they would need a breeding population to survive, and they wouldn't be able to necessarily just hide in the woods of Missouri, which is vast, right. but it's not vast enough. It it is, and it's very remote, and um, and I think I I tend to agree with you there, and and you know nine times out of ten, it, it it's been my experience that when you have stories about Bigfoot you very you almost always have stories about aliens or ufos um and when it comes to the native americans you know to be honest with you i just had never i had always wanted to dive into that part of research because i i have always had such a deep respect for the native americans um i i had some i have some native american blood in me it's distant and it's little but but i've always been really intrigued by it you know their connection their, their physical and, and spiritual connection to the to the earth um you know their own spirituality and everything else has always been really important for me as far as the research and getting the opportunity to be invited in by these guys it it was beyond my wildest dreams um because really you know me you know, Mr. Whitey Irish guy coming down into Cherokee country. <laughs> let's be honest. They, they don't open their arms wide for you. You know, they just don't. And, and justifiably so. Um, so it took some time. It took some time for us to build up some trust and build a relationship with these guys. And man, now we're like family. I mean, I, I literally can go down there whenever I want to. They are the most hospitable, um, incredible people. And the experiences down there, again i think has just made me such a such a better person i'm not just investigator because i'm definitely a better investigator but just i feel like a better person just knowing these people and kind of going through some of those experiences with them um and and yeah man i i mean i experienced things down there that i never even considered um you know, and one thing that I've never really heard a lot of talk about, but I'm almost convinced of when it comes to like a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch thing, to me, we've caught EVPs on our recorders repeatedly that sounds like a stereotypical Sasquatch call, but we wow. couldn't hear them at the time. But when we listen to the playback, it's so obvious. There's no way we would have missed it. Right. And and so I feel like there's communication ability there on an EVP level. And so I think when you're out just screaming in the woods, I don't know, maybe you get yourself a response. I don't know. But, you know, to me, it's more of a where are you and in what mindset are you in? I, I think that's a better place to start. Well, yeah, and I think it's, uh, <laughs> you know, like I mentioned earlier, I can't rule it as the way it is. But I think it's definitely a good possibility that Bigfoot or anything in the paranormal field, spirits, whatever you want to call them, they know who they want to communicate with. Absolutely. Or they they see you working to reach out to them, so they're more likely to reach out to you if you're who they want to speak to. I could see that being a definite possibility. I think that Yeah. Um I think that people that don't have experiences are just, are closed off for that reason. They don't have them because they don't want to have them. I, I tend to agree. As a matter of fact, it's so funny. Um, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've been down there to investigate. Um, I actually took my, my now wife. Um, I took her down there, and she is 
probably the biggest skeptic that I know, <laughs> uh, which works out well for us, to be honest with you. You know, she kind of lets me have my toys and go do what I need to do. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, she she kind of just, like you said, I, I think in a lot of ways she does shield herself from it. And, and the one time I took her down there, you know, she experienced jack shit. And every single time I go down to that place, it is absurd with activity. And it was just so happened this one particular night. And she's just like, okay, I'm tired of standing now. You know, <laughs> this is pretty cool. Wow. So I want to ask a quick question about your interaction with the Native American people down there. That, sure. Um, there's something I've been wanting to work on for a while is uh, I want to work on a book or something about the little people of North America. Have you spoke with them of anything like that? Like the little people of the forest, sometimes they're called things, fairies. No question about it. It's one of the first things that it's one of the first things that we talked about. Um, you know, when it, the way that their land is, um, there's a big cliff on one side. We drive up, there's a big circle drive, and there's this probably three to four acre yard area. There's a couple houses on the property, one of which has been abandoned for quite a while, one of which is still livable. Um, but it's kind of up, it's elevated. Now, when we were to go outside behind one of the, the active house, there's this big wooded area right behind it where we go down a big hill, there's a creek at the bottom, and if you walk a little ways, there are cliffs and caves. And, um, you know, when, when you start to really dig in here, you find the stories of the little people as it related to the Cherokee down there. You're talking about what they consider basically a demonic-type creature um, that is violent. Um, you hear about sexual assaults. You hear about... Um, you know, scratching, biting, you know, things like that, mind manipulation. Um, you also start hearing about, uh, I mean, in another word that I never even considered up until I went down to this place, I just didn't really think about it. But you, you start hearing about um, shapeshifters and you start talking about human beings with so much spiritual power in that type of environment that can potentially have the ability to literally change physically change into something else but the little people can be tied into something like that as well um so yeah i mean i mean there's there are countless stories about little people down there it's crazy <laughs> yeah that's um i've just started to look into it over the last I don't know, eight months or so. I, uh, of course, I've heard the stories before, but that concept is still taboo in the paranormal community here in the United States. But it's like mm-hmm. they attribute everything um, metaphysical to that in Europe for the most part, and you know, in other parts of the world. But we kind of see it as, oh, it's it's cr- like we had uh, John Tenney on the show not too long ago, and he mentioned that he would ask his groups of. Uh, attendees at his lectures that you know raise your hand if you believe in aliens and everybody would raise their hands and yeah. raise your hand if you believe in Bigfoot and some of the people would raise their hand and raise your hand if you believe in um, little people and elves and stuff like that and 
nobody would raise their hands. Right, you hear crickets, and and yeah, I, I I've, I'm totally on the same page with you there because, you know, I didn't consider it much. I mean, I've always, you know, my deepest family roots are in Ireland, and I've been to Ireland, and I would spend as much time in Ireland as 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 I would possibly be allowed. Uh, it's one of my favorite places I've ever been. And so, you know, I've always had an interest in that type of story, you know, like you said, fairies and things like that. Um, and here in the U.S., you, you don't hear a lot of it. But when you start diving into Native American uh, land and property, you will hear all kinds, all kinds of stories. And, and when you start experiencing a lot of the uh a lot of the descriptions and 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 you start picking up on a lot of the things they're telling you it, it's it's very cool um it's scary as shit but it's very cool um and so yeah man that that was one of the first things that we talked about and and it was and you know that kind of on that subject a little bit one thing i kind of get a little tired of is is i start you know everybody says well i want to go and investigate in europe because it's it's so old well, I mean, do, do you think North America is, like, new? I mean, really, where, where this house stands, where your house stands, who knows what happened there thousands of years ago? I mean, just because it's not documented and it wasn't the United States, they're unearthing, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard about the caves up, up in northern Missouri that are being dug into now. You've probably heard about the pyramids down in Texas that are they're starting to unearth that they claim maybe three times the size of the ones in Egypt. Yeah, there's well, one in, uh, I think it's in Ohio that's supposed to yeah. be the biggest on yeah. the planet, but it just that's, looks like a hill so people don't really pay attention to it. That's that's what I'm telling you, and, and, and I hear so much in the paranormal community, well, I want to go to Europe because everything's so old. Well, dude, <laughs> I mean, where you're standing, I mean, it's as old as time, you know, and right. And who knows what has happened here just because it's not documented. And just because there's not a castle standing there that's 400 years old, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that the history here is any less impressive or that the activity is any less powerful. Sure. I mean, it's been my experience. I've been to Europe. Not that I did a lot of specific investigating in Europe because I didn't. But, you know, the structures are old. The culture is old. But when you get here and you really start to dig in, like, for example, this property down there in Oklahoma, I'm, I've become convinced over the years that I'm not dealing with something that goes back just to Cherokee. Um, mm -hmm. It goes back, in my opinion, I think they're sitting on a mass grave. And I think that there, there's a big field right across the way that I think was a battlefield at some point, just because it wasn't documented and just because it wasn't an official sure. American occurrence. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. That's you know, a very you know. good point. <laughs> I mentioned all the time on this show as well. I know I've been mentioning a lot of things that I mentioned on the show, but <laughs> people people don't have a reference to anything that's not right in front of them right. anymore. Right. It's tough because well, and and that's part of the problem is is the immediate gratification society. You know, I mean, everybody wants to be on TV, and everybody doesn't want to do any work to get there. And really, in the end if you if you want to properly educate yourself when it comes to this type of field of study it requires a lot of work and it requires a lot of dedication and a lot of time and frankly anything worth doing shouldn't happen overnight i mean and that's what that's what i told my guys from day one is like look you know when 
you know, people will start asking you, well, why why don't you why don't you slap all your pictures of orbs up on your Facebook page and why don't you, you know, put up EVPs and things like that? You know, I've got my own reasons, but I mean in the end that it's just not it's not the important stuff. I mean what's important is is looking at the big picture. And when you start approaching these historical type investigations, um, and that's what I'm saying, like I'll I'll pass on a trip up to Villisca. I'd go because it sounds cool. I'd like to check that place out, but I'm not going to go out of my way when I could be doing real work somewhere else. Sure. And and so to me, I I've always promised myself I'll keep the big picture in mind, and and so so far so good I think, um, and it is it, it's a grind. I mean sometimes you wonder why you do it because it you know there's no guarantees, but I I always believe if you put in the work and you you know you do people right and you uh, just kind of maintain your integrity and everything else. I think it all kind of takes care of itself. So have, have you spoken at events before? (laughs) Um, What made you reach out to me to be a part of the conference this year and a little bit about specifically what you're going to be talking about at the conference? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, to be honest with you, I, I did my first, speaking engagement I've, I've done book signings but I, I did my first real speaking engagement at a at a um, well at the Oddfellows home up in Liberty Missouri just a few weeks ago um, Dave Schrader of Darkness Radio mm-hmm. he I was actually on Darkness Radio a couple months ago and um, he actually just invited me out you know just to kind of speak about the new book and the old book and everything else um, so I went ahead and went out there and you know, to be honest with you, Jason, I, I, I saw you had put up some information about the Kansas City conference, and I mean, in the end, I'm born and raised in Kansas City, and anything involved with Kansas City, I'm down. I mean, you're talking to a hardcore you know, Royals Chiefs fan, and um, yeah. <laughs> I, this is my home, you know. And so this is anything that I can do to involve myself in Kansas City, I'm down with it. Um, and so really, honestly, that was the main thing is it was local. I mean, it's my hometown and um, being able to talk to my friends and meet local people like you guys and, um, you know, kind of kind of do do that sort of thing. Uh, it was appealing to me and because I really don't I, I don't put my name out there a whole lot, probably not as much as I should, um, you know, especially the fact that I do want to sell books. So. I guess my marketing skills need a little bit of work, but, um, you know, in the end, just the fact that it was local was really appealing. And, um, you know, I I do know you guys' names and everything else and um, certainly follow you guys on, you know, I see what you put up on Facebook and everything else. You seem like cool dudes. And um, it just kind of looked like a good opportunity. You know, I figured I'd reach out to you and see what was up. Yeah, and uh, when I when I started this conference a few years ago, I wanted a mixture of local people and people from abroad, not abroad, but around the United States. But I'm always wanting to bring in people from Kansas City because I'll, I'll replace, I'll take somebody from Kansas City over somebody from somewhere else, just because it is the hometown thing, and there's there hasn't been anything really like this conference here. I remember years ago before I started doing this that there was a conference in Chicago and people in my group wanted to go and I was like, I just want to make my own here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So I, I'm really happy to have you this year. And oh yeah, I'm I'm stoked. I I, I think it'll be a good time. Um, and you know, to be honest, as far as um, to be, I mean, as far as you know, what I'll be talking about, um, I think. Most of it will probably be along the lines of the new story um, as far as experiences. And, and you know, I, I do think I may I may kind of put together some, um, you know, sneak peek sort of things, uh, because really the conference, if I got my dates right, it's right around the time that that new book comes out. It's pretty close. Um, what they It's the first weekend in August. OK, yeah. So actually, it's like the it's like two days before the book comes out. Um so anyway, yeah. So I think that'll probably be the main topic of discussion is kind of what took me down there. I like to talk about the ley line research because I think it's really important and I think it gets overlooked. And to be honest, I think because it's difficult, um, I mean, it took me three years to find what I felt was a legitimate resource. Um, I mean, and, it, and, you know, everybody's just like, well, what is it? Well, let me have it and everything else. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that that i can't provide that i'm happy to do it because i do think it's important but um you know it took a lot of legwork a lot of hard work to really put my head down and, and really pursue this um and it's a it's this really cool program where basically you use google earth and a gentleman um is he originated in hawaii and he had done a lot of work with vortexes and things like that and um basically what he has is he's got this little file where you can just overlay it on top of Google Earth. And it's not exact because I don't know that you'll be able to put your hands on an exact ley line map that's going to be worldwide. I don't even know if it exists. Um, those things are so hard to find. It's absurd. I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I really <laughs> wanted to pursue it. Um, but I think it's accurate enough to give me a really good idea where I need to be geographically. And um, and so that's something that's fun for me to talk about. You know, that's been a lot of hard work that I've put in, and it's really never failed me as far as that theory. Um, and so I think that's going to be one of the main points of discussion. And then, of course, the Trail of Tears and, um, you know, what led up to it, what what kind of transp transpired afterwards, um, and then certainly what took me down there and, and um, drew me into these people. Um, life-changing stuff and um, you know the, the cool thing about that place down there is I do think it's a place that I will probably go off and on I probably for the rest of my life I mean I've become that close with those people and um, and it's been such an experience for me educationally and and everything else um, it, it I can't see myself just dropping that work it's not the type of place you're going to go in and just clean right up um, the activity fluctuates here and there, but I think a lot of it is so deeply rooted into it that, you know, I don't know, maybe you could get it cleansed, maybe you couldn't. Uh, I'd have a hard time believing that anybody's going to come in with a magic wand and make that place quiet down permanently, though. Well, and really, I've been asked time, and I'm sure you get this as well. Um, what are you really going to find out in one night? You can catch some stuff. Oh yeah, you can. But you, you need a long term. Piece. You need a long term investigation of a place to really come away with. Um, well, not necessarily EVPs because I don't know. My my experiences, I've I've caught a lot of EVPs even on single investigations. Uh, sure. 
but to really get a sense of what's going on at a place, you have mm-hmm. to spend a lot of time there. No question about it. Um, I couldn't agree with you more, and that's why, you know, when you ask me, you know, how many investigations and cases and things like that I'm working on, I mean, in the end, you know, this one in particular, we're talking dozens of times I've investigated that place. Um, the original location from the house where evil lurks, I think we conducted, I, wanna, I can't remember the exact number, but I, I think we had worked in there seven or eight times. Um, you know, and, and I do a lot of driving, you know, I do a lot of traveling, so it's not like I can just come right over. Um, you know, I mean, this place in Tahlequah is a five-hour drive, basically, so, you know, you're talking about basically putting in a 30-hour weekend of work when I go down there, um, and so it's just not feasible all the time, but yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the first night we investigated down there was one of the most incredible nights I've ever had anywhere ever um it was just absolutely phenomenal um but i would have done that place such a disservice by not coming back um because it it, that was just just the tip of the iceberg i mean it was just one of those it was almost as though a lot of what's down there knew okay we can get our hooks into this guy and you know and, and then they can do as they please um because sure enough, there was no way in hell after that first night that I wasn't coming back. I mean, the idea of the whole thing, um, my buddy and I were going to start this new team called Road Trip Paranormal. Um, Road Trip Paranormal still exists, but at the time when, when I wanted to found it, the idea was we were going to drive from Kansas City down to New Orleans. That was our first destination. And we're going to stop at various places along the way and do some investigating and talk to the locals, kind of getting an idea. Josh, like we were wanting to document, you know, kind of work on documentary type stuff because you talk in different cultures about paranormal. You get different advice, you get different stories. And so that's what we wanted to do. We thought it was a really cool concept. And, you know, night number two of seven. Um, we end up in Tahlequah and it completely blew the whole trip up because it was like we, we went on to our next location the next night. We ended up in New Orleans more or less to drink rather than investigate. <laughs> right. Um, but then when we came back up, we stopped back in Tahlequah and it was just like, how can anything touch this place? And um, and, and I mean, since then, I haven't been anywhere that that even touches it since. That's amazing. Um, it, yeah, it was. It was fantastic. And so, um, so yeah, but I mean, the road trip paranormal guys, they, um, they still, they still function and, and they do what they do and, and they're really good dudes. I still work with them every now and again. Um, but that was the original thought process behind it. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I, and, and really at that point in time, um, when I kind of just said, Hey, you know, cause they approached me, they said, Hey, we like the road trip paranormal thing. They said, are you cool with us doing this and that? I said, Hey, take it, do what you got to do. I don't really care. You know? And cause at that time I was, I was so deep into this, this case down there. I, I didn't really have the need to pursue all the, you know, the, the name and everything else. It was like, I, I know the work that I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. However long it takes. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, and doing with the ley line research, to be honest with you, it kind of gives me a general idea and a ballpark of where I need to start um, to begin with. And then when I just start digging into towns and history, um, these cases are just not that hard to find. Uh, and so 
you know, something on this sort of level, of course, you know, maybe a lot of people could go a whole 10, 20 year career and not find a place like this, but, um, they're out there. You just kind of, I think you got to know where to look and I think you got to know what you're looking for. Um, and, uh, and, and be open-minded and, and be willing to fail, uh, I think is a big thing. And, and to be honest, set your ego aside and be able to admit I don't have all the answers, but when you find a place that can provide a bunch of answers, you damn sure better pursue it, yeah, you know, exactly. because that's the only way you get better at what you do. And that's the only way anybody learns anything is, is to just set your ego down and just say, look, this is a place that can teach me. Granted, it's going to scare the shit out of you, but you try to stay as safe as you can. You, you give everybody fair warning that's involved. Um, and you try to make sure that, the people that are there 24 seven aren't in any harm's way. Um, but other than that, you do whatever it takes to learn. Um, I like to push the envelope, you know, I like to do experiments and things like that, that a lot of people say I'm stupid or, you know, crazy or whatever. But I mean, tell me there's an investigator out there that goes poking around in the dark in an abandoned building. Tell me you're not a little bit crazy to begin with. Exactly. I mean, in the, end, it's kind of what we do, you know? Yeah. yeah, and whether you're quote-unquote crazy or not, uh, you know, people talk about Ouija boards and they shouldn't use them and and all mm-hmm. this other stuff, but in all reality, it's your intent. I mean, I, yeah. I think, but if yeah. a- according to a lot of people out there, even just the act of asking if a spirit is there is something that can open a door to some, an attack or it's just mm-hmm. it's a sin or something evil or, or whatever. So it's I forgot where I was going with it. Sorry, but uh, um, yeah, just even that act is uh, opening yourself up to a new world, whether right. it's good or bad. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I tell people, um, you never know if you go do Bloody Mary in the bathroom something might happen you never know it's thought of as like a little kid thing but mm. comes from somewhere it's bullshit and no doubt I mean all all fables are based in some sort of truth you know it's um it, it is and 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 that's that's what got me is there was a point in my life where reading the books and doing the studying and everything else just wasn't enough Um, I had some experiences to the point where it wasn't anything enormous. It wasn't life changing, but it was something that made me say, what the fuck and scratch my head. And so I was like, you know, I need to get out there and just look around. I need to go and see what I can figure out. Um, and it took, you know, I mean, it's not for everybody. There's a lot of people out there that do this and call themselves investigators, but frankly, they carry around so much personal negativity. They have no business going in anybody's house. (laughs) Um, I mean, if you don't have your shit wired together at least somewhat, I mean, not to say you have to be perfect, but if you are surrounded by, you know, negativity and, and, you know, just ego and when there's, you know, drugs and booze and everything else. And I mean, and I apologize. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just saying, I, I do know people in this field that invite themselves into people's homes claiming to be able to help rid their home of something when you know they've got all kinds of just personal demons that they can't shake it's like i mean how dare you put them put that family into that kind of position and you know it kind of makes me sick to my stomach and 
Um, but but you're right. I mean, regardless of how it happens, you never know what you're walking into. And and like you said, I mean, if you conduct different experiments, that's one thing. But you better be ready for consequences. Um, and so, I mean, that's that's kind of going to be the bottom line. I like it. So you mentioned uh, Lachance earlier yeah. and how he helped you. Well, he uh, pushed you on your book, and he's speaking at the conference this year. Yeah, you know, I saw him on the list, uh, and uh, he almost. Uh, I'm I'm not going to go into the detail. You may know he 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 was thinking about backing out of everything paranormal, and I won't go into why or anything like that. He doesn't want me to talk about it, but I heard sure. from him today that he is definitely going to speak at the conference, so he will be there good. for sure. That'll be good. Good. Yeah, you know. Um, when when his first book came out um i i got my hands on it and and i did actually see the episode of the show that they did you know based on the book um which i thought was a really cool story um anyway i i was fairly new to the field um i mean hell that's been you know what eight nine years now um i've been doing i think i've been in the field for right around 10 um and uh Anyway, I, I just sort of reached out to him to kind of pick his brain about, um, you know, methods and, and everything else. It really didn't have anything to do with writing, and, and we kind of just hit it off. Um, and at the time, uh, a buddy of mine, his name's Jeremiah Norwood, um, he was the head of the Kansas affiliate of the Everyday Paranormal Network, and he and I became quick friends. And uh, anyway, he had an online radio show, and actually I ended up putting him in touch with Steven. Um, so really Steven and I have always kind of just chatted back and forth. And, um, you know, I, I went down to their, they had a, had a tour, uh, going on. I, I was doing a book signing down in St. Louis. And, um, at the time he was working on this tour that was going on at the Lent mansion and everything. And so we went by and hung out. Um, he's just a pretty genuine, nice guy, you know? And, um, so I've always kind of looked at him as sort of a big brother, um, you know, real straight shooter and everything else. And so, yeah, when he kind of, he did, he kind of gave me a lot of encouragement, you know, and, um, he said, you know, if that's something you want to do, you should pursue it. And, and, you know, he's one guy that I think is pretty widely known, um, but is also a guy that doesn't allow his ego to block anybody. You know, it's like, if you have a question for the guy, typically he's going to answer your question, you know, and, and it's a, he's a pretty personable dude. Um, and that always stuck out with me is, is the fact that he's always been just real open, um, and just kind. Um, he's just a really nice guy. And, and when it came to my writing, he didn't look at me as competition. Um, you know, he looked at it and he said, this is, this is good. This is a good story. And, you know, really kind of pushed me to pursue, um, a, a lot of things. And so that was a really cool thing for me. Um, and, yeah, and that's, that's great because I, in my opinion, the biggest problem in this field when it comes to the drama and other stuff we mentioned earlier is the sense of competition that's out yeah. there. Yeah. But there's, yeah. Why? But there shouldn't I mean, be any competition. You know what I mean? There's plenty of room for everybody. No, I, it's like, shit, man, people have written books for, you know, how long? People have made documentary yeah, exactly. films for how long? There's plenty of room for everybody. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Well, and you know, it, the the people that stir up the bullshit are the people that are too lazy to go out and do the work. Thank you I, so much for fucking saying that. <laughs> but you are absolutely they, right. They just, it, well, it's, I mean, there are, there is so much work that can and does go into this sort of study and nine out of ten of them that are stirring up all this garbage and that's why man that that's why if you guys don't know my name well it's because i avoid that kind of shit like it is the plague i mean i just don't have time for it if i get negativity on my facebook page i will throw your ass to the curb exactly because i just don't hear it i don't need it you know I, i i've got no time for it and uh yeah i mean just because you know i well, like you said, I. Why is it a competition? There's no reason There's no for reason. it whatsoever. I mean, do your work. Compare notes. I mean, shit, Josh. I'd like to. I mean, I'll I'll be straight with you, man. I would love to work in documentaries. I would absolutely love to pick your brain. You know, yeah. and and why in the hell can't like minds and good minds come together and actually start seeing some real progress in this. They totally could. That's what's funny about it. Yeah, because we're all ultimately after the same fucking thing. So why not work together towards it? So Well, well, because because people are lazy inherently. I mean, people people just look at somebody that has has done something and they say do that. Well, maybe what you did wasn't very good. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Like it's not it's not an arrogant thing it's not an ego thing it's like look sometimes when i see all the the stones being thrown in each direction on facebook and everything else this person or that person can't complete a sentence or spell a word sure i mean look you are in it to i actually legitimately had this dude basically well not even basically he flat out said you are my co- and I'm just like, are you are you outside your fucking mind, dude? Wow. Like, I mean, I was simply talking to one of the people on their team, and and I was just kind of comparing notes on a. <clears throat> and this guy came out of nowhere, and I mean, he came <laughs> after me, and I said, wow. "Well, here's my phone number, here's my address. You ever talk to me like that again? I need you to come over here. We're gonna figure this out." Yeah. Because you know, I, I don't have time for it. Like, like you will not come after me. And start treating me like like I should be afraid of you. Like, I mean, you you've lost right. it, man. And so that that's where I was like, look, man, I, I I gotta back out here. I gotta I gotta do my thing. And like I said, I'm pretty careful about who I surround myself with. And in the end, man, I, I think if you do good hard work, it stands on its own merit. Sure. And and the at at the right time, the right people, everything else, it falls into place. I mean, it does. And so for me, I just, I steer way clear of all that other garbage. Yeah. I think that's wise, honestly, because <laughs> there's just way too much of it, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not on any New York times bestseller list, so it ain't like I'm making a living on the books I've written. So, um, you know, <laughs> eventually that'd be nice, but in the meantime, I got a job, I got a family and I got to find time for my passion too. Sure, sure. Um, and, and so that's what I try to do and, you know, throwing in a whole bunch of this other crap. I, I just, nope, that's where you lose me. <laughs> Not interested. That's good stuff. Yeah. So now, Brandon, where can people find, find you, find your, uh, your books? 
everywhere, man. I'm everywhere, believe it or not. Nice. Um, now, I, like, you know, in the end, you can go Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, really wherever wherever you can find books. Um, you can Google me. Um, and then on, really, Facebook, I'm not super active on my author page, which is going to be changing here shortly. I'm, I'm bound and determined to kind of buckle down and start communicating a little bit better on there. Cool. Um, but anyway, it's facebook.com uh, forward slash Callahan author. Um, C A L L A H A N author. Um, and so that's, that's really my main avenue. I have thought about putting together kind of a, you know, loosey goosey self maintained author slash, um, kind of a, I guess, uh, a blog type site, sure. which I do hope to do because I would like to blog because really, I mean, you know, when we go out to these kind of random places, I mean, every now and again, uh, me and the buddies will head out to a place, check it out. It'd be kind of cool to just put my thoughts down in a blog or something. So I may, I may I, start putting that together. Yeah, I can actually offer you this. You don't have to take it if you don't want it. It won't, it won't mean anything if you don't want to take it. But I can actually put a blog page on our show's website that will be your blog page that you can do whatever you want with, change whatever you want on the background. You'll have your own login for that page. And if you want to do that in the future... I will set it up and you won't even have to pay anything because it'll be free and you can put whatever you want on there. Oh, no shit. That's pretty awesome, man. I appreciate the offer. We'll, uh, uh I mean, if you're going to do some work for me, I'll, uh, we'll definitely have to sit down and chat. No problem. I'll buy you a beer. It would only take, uh, like me 15 minutes to set it up. Anyways, I want to thank you so much for coming on and wanting to be a part of my conference and, and I look forward to working with you on all kinds of different things. Hopefully, I was just, I wrote down here that I want to in the future do a ley line episode because that's something that's always interested me too. I haven't done nearly the kind of research you have on okay. it, but it's something that I, you know, I, that's been around forever. I remember reading about ley lines when I was in elementary school, yeah. checking out books from school. So. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully anytime. we could get you on that episode. Anytime. Yeah, I mean, sweet. you know, and, and like I said, I, I it's been such a pleasure. I really appreciate you guys taking the time and um, definitely looking forward to the conference. I think we're going to have a really good time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'll be seeing you guys here soon. And then, um, yeah, if you need any help with anything, you know, you need a couple of extra hands or whatever it might be, you know where to find me. And then um, absolutely, you know, um, I appreciate it and uh, and definitely look forward to getting to know you guys a little bit better and um, certainly doing some work together. It'd be a good time. Well, you only live 10 minutes from me and we only live like 10 minutes from Big Rip Brewery, our spo- brewery, our sponsor. So well, you that- and I need to go down there and have a beer. Yeah, or five. You could have five. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I just searched your name on eBay because I wanted to see if there's anything on there. You do your books are on eBay along with um, a hockey player who has cards out there with your same name. Nice. Oh, nice, nice. Well, <laughs> Callahan, you'll probably find your dirty hairy shirts and <laughs> and your big your your uh, Tommy boy and everything else. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, hey, thanks guys, I appreciate it. It's thank been a good so time. Thank you so much, man. Thank yeah, you. thank you, man. All right, man. Talk to you guys later. Bye. 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 All right, peace. So there you have it, people. Absolutely. I, that was good shit. Yeah, this this year's conference, 
it's I it's gonna obviously it's gonna be the best conference so far of the ones that I've had. I don't know if I'll be able to top it next year, honestly. It's gonna be amazing. I know that. Everybody we've interviewed that is speaking at the conference has been great. Oh yeah. I don't know, man. And literally Ooh. Brandon lives like ten minutes from me. Yeah. And I'm pretty tapped in with the paranormal community here in town. Yeah. And I had never like worked with him or came across him before, which is surprising to me. That's cool though. Good stuff. Uh, so yeah, um, we'll have to see how his story lines up with your story and all. Kinds Dude, I'm of pretty stuff. pumped about that. Honestly, about just like sitting down, having a drink or eight or whatever with him, and just like just talking shit over. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like just as a show, just as our show, the ectoplasm show. Sure, we've come across so many great people that I just want to yeah. work with. Yeah, over the last couple it. months. Tell me about it. Yeah. So, Brandon, hopefully you're listening to your episode. If you are uh, listening, like Brandon. I if you I are. <laughs> earlier that I am a paranormal free agent and I want to work <laughs> with everybody. That's good. So, if you need, if, if you want to even, even just, like we said, go have a beer and talk paranormal. I'll be there. Go have a beer and talk shop. <laughs> Speaking of beer, I've had quite a few big rips tonight. <laughs> Very nice. I've had quite a few big rips. Oh my god, good stuff, I'm buddy. Drinking for the people. It's the way to do it. No, it's the way to do it. Well, I tell you what, we're gonna wrap up the show. Um, June twenty fourth, people. Nick Redfern at Malvern Manor. Get your tickets right now. Go to uh, www.ectoplasmshow.com. Get your tickets. Um, investigate with one of the, the biggest names in the paranormal community. Yeah, and you know, honestly, people that know him know that he's so busy in so many other things that he's oh never God. really dived into, delved into the whole investigative side of it. That, as right. far as I know. No. But now he maybe this will be his start into the actual investigative part of it. You watch. As far as I know, there's never been an event with Nick Redfern like this Not where he goes like and this. investigates with his fans. Not like this, no. Hail to and the And he's no. excited about it. He yeah. is he, <laughs> he told us that he can't wait. So it'll be great. I know man. that that's what people say, but it sounded sincere to me. It was sincere. Come on. I believe this. I do, too. I do, too. All right. Well, I tell you what. We're going to wrap it up for this Friday. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and we will talk to you all soon. Peace out.